0: Welcome back to the Anti Social Podcast, episode 304. And if you've been uh, paying attention and you're listening to this episode on time, you would have noticed that there's been uh, a little bit of a gap between 303 and 304, uh, several months, in fact. We here in Sydney have been in and out of a massive lockdown. We've recently been let out of the cage, and I tell you what, I'm fucking back baby, I'm back in the podcasting seat and we're chin wagging with a whole bunch of different awesome people. So we're going to jump right into it. This episode is with a return guest, Riley Strong of Desecrator. Melbourne thrash metal band that's been around for a number of years and has recently announced that they're going on an indefinite hiatus. So stay tuned. Rolly's going to talk about all this in this chat. Uh, Rolly's been previously on the uh, podcast uh, episode 133, and you can also listen to previous episodes with drummer Jared Roberts, episode 271, and Andrew Hudson of Harlot fame, as well as Desecrator on episode 300. Uh, Lots of stuff there to check out. Go and check out the latest. Desecrator album summoning, and you can go and see them if you're in Australia on their tour in January, which is going to places like Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, uh, bloody Warrnambool, Ballarat, uh, Gold Coast, Canberra, Albury, Newcastle. There's a whole bunch of dates over at desecrator.net slash tour, but I'm going to have everything in the show notes over at andysocial.net or andydaling.net I've almost forgotten how to even do these intros now because it's been so long. But I am back. I am back. And also, uh, before we dive into it, go to patreon.com slash Dowling. I've reworked the tiers, all nice and cheap, $1 and $5 tiers. That's it. And it's a great way to support the podcast. But enough crapping on from me. Please enjoy this great chat with the legend himself, Riley Strong.
1: There's a lot happening. Um, I think I've got a, I've got a, a messenger Group chat in my phone that says "Desecrate a final show" as the group chat, <laughs> wow. and that's weird to look at every now and then. You open up your messenger because you get a nice little get a nice little endorphin releasing ding from someone sending you a message, and then you see "Desecrate a final show." Ding, and you're like, oh yeah, that that's a thing that's happening. Um, so I guess that's the biggest overarching thing that's that's happening, Andy, is that um, after twelve years of. Uh, Focus and, and pushing desecrators um, going into a different space.
0: I of all the bands that I would expect this to happen, um, you guys would be pretty far down the list. Uh, you know, just given given what you guys have done over the years and how hard yeah. you've sort of been, you know, working working at the whole thing and and that focus and you know the way you guys talk about it and. New album and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, part of it is not a surprise if I could make assumptions, but um, but yes. I think for you guys, I was certainly shocked. Um, I mean, was this something that you guys have been sort of toying about for the past several months or the last year, or what? What's sort of the yeah, look,
1: mindset? It, um, it uh, that uh, there's kind of a lot of go-to points in what you just said, but um, to to go to the direct one first, I guess it was a A conversation that was never we were like it was never taboo to talk about the idea of desecrated not being forever and it was also it was such a it's been such a supportive group um that I think there was never a point where people's life goals um were ever off the table which I think in bands people get in spaces where they're so scared to to admit any type of development in their personal lives that may change the priority where heavy metal lies or may suggest a change in allegiance to, you know, the the overarching idea of the band, in inverted commas, that um, that's when band relationships can become really unhealthy because people, it's like any relationship, if you start to keep the truth from each other or your motivations change, then... Um, I think things become dysfunctional pretty quick, and that's why you see a lot of bands as the years go on. Their lineups start to change in a nasty way, not in a a cathartic kind of way. But anyway, so that wasn't what was happening. It was more just that that we were always a good space to be able to talk about that, and um, uh, I guess that um. When Summoning was written and recorded, which was pre-COVID, we had it ready to come out pre the world stopping, and we were such a fast-paced band at that point. You know, we were doing so many tours. We were um, doing a lot of stuff all around the world and in Australia, and we were used to that pace and used to that kind of dominant, um, life-distracting speed that I think heavy metal, well, bands, forget heavy metal, but bands in general can give you that if you're looking for it, can give you something to belong to that will either be uh, like an overarching force in your life or a a distraction at times or whatever you're looking for because they can be as dominant as you're prepared to let them be because there's no day where there's not something to do for a band. There's There's no time that it isn't great to be out promoting a band. There's no twenty-four hour cycle the way it is, there's no time of the day or night that you cannot be deciding you have something to do. So I guess we were a very fast-paced band in that way, and that was driven by by my own goals, but I also surrounded myself with people who could not only keep up that pace, but I guess uh help push it even further. Um so then when the world kind of stopped turning a little bit as far as arts and entertainment went, well, I mean, as far as everything went, but arts and entertainment in particular, because it's relevant, um, we were forced to uh, to see the space, to see the gaps, to see our lives. Uh, you, you know, different people were in different positions with their own careers and their personal lives. Um, you know, for me personally, I'd been um, hopping jobs for a long time and sitting in that space where it didn't matter because Desecrated was doing well, but when you move that away from being the day-to-day front focus, which is what kind of happened because we were such a live-focused band, um, you started to have the space, the dangerous space of looking at, okay, where's life at? Where is Desecrator at At the 12-year point? Where is – what are the goals for Desecrator in the next three to five years? What do we want out of the band? And um, do we believe that that of those goals – they're available to us now or they're not available are they just pipe dreams and are we ready to sacrifice what we know by this point is involved in doing that I mean a lot of people look at bands going overseas and touring and there's kind of two thoughts it's either oh that must be heaps of fun like a holiday or or hey they've got heaps of money they must be just paying their way around that's like the two (laughs) common schools of how to do the tall puppy cut a band down thing in Australia but there's so much more to it than that like there's so much more um planning and life dedication and logistics on your Australian life and then your European life and there's so much that goes behind those things that you have to really be I've always believed you have to be prepared for a full five-year bracket or a a larger plan to to even instigate a shorter plan, you know, to make them worthwhile. And that was why Desecrator was such a, a fast-moving force is because I guess we had uh, those big goals, but we sat down as a group and um, kind of put on the table, okay, what were we excited about doing? Uh, what did we want to do with summoning? Um, and now that, that summoning is coming out uh, and um, – kind of doing what it's amazingly done on its own. Um, what's next? Like, what's the next step? Do we want to go back as soon as it's available to being in that world travelling space? And it didn't feel comfortable when we were talking about it. I mean, it's the music industry is such a changing force, in my opinion, right now. I don't think that it can run on the old model that it did um it was already struggling under the old model like i think that uh a big hiatus is going to force a lot of new thought and a lot of new power shifts and there's a lot of kind of uncertainty that that might be mega positive i mean this might be a time where bands can take control and do something like release their own album and have it go really well you know um or it might be a really hard time where for bands who want to to play and to tour it um it's going to be a really new, like brave new world. So not knowing all of that, we kind of didn't feel comfortable just making bold decisions. I've right, we you know, j- j- just want to go back out in the world, we just want to experience touring again. And it kind of felt like if we did it, it'd be for very selfish reasons, not for, um greater good of the desecrated band reasons as well it was like our lives were being shut down our social lives were being stopped so we yearned for what was the peak of them which was you know being on the road for eight weeks in europe or going to south america or going to mexico or doing any of the amazing things that we used to do quite you know regularly enough but um the motivations weren't the same back when we were originally doing that. They, they were part of a, a larger game plan of Desecrator being a, a larger and larger band. So so without having that same motivation, it didn't quite feel correct. And then the conversation went further to, you know, to the music uh, and to what what is our music doing right now in the world? What is the viability of Desecrator's growth and Desecrator doing more than just maintaining and, um, you know, I think to to say that playing a genre of music that reached its peak in 1987 could arguably, <laughs> could arguably say that it was a, a dicey idea in the first place, let's be honest. But So you could say that, that it's kind of irrelevant in a way, but it's always relevant to, to look at what people are listening to and what's happening, you know, because you don't, obviously it's not your motivation to write songs just to, to please a larger crowd. But if you are going to exist as a band and you're going to look at your band as a a business or business-like entity, you kind of need that um, that belief. That there's going to be support in the marketplace for what you're going to release. Um, so that was, you know, we can't answer that question, but it was something that definitely came up. But what did come up that was really nice, that that I guess has never been up for debate in Desecrator as a group, is that uh, as a creative process and as a creative outlet, um, n- nothing's changed like the, the enjoyment of creating music, creating summoning and releasing summoning has been been a great high point for this band, which is strange to say because it's been at a time where not a lot of bands are getting high points and you wouldn't expect to find one. But the way that this album's come out, um, the the gamble we took on releasing it on our own while all the record labels we have been talking to were too scared to do anything or put any money behind anything because the market was so unsure, we... Um, just kind of fronted up and went, we believe it's time to do it and to watch it go, to watch it recoup, to watch it spread, to watch the reviews come out and to watch the uh, kind of impact it's been having has been a really big treat for us and a high point for us, which I guess is validated as a writing group, the, cr- the cr- creativity side's never been under any type of um, question. So then that brings up the next point. I should really put a full stop in this.
0: No, nah, keep and it going. Let's throw another cover time. in. But,
1: uh, we're on a roll. But um, <laughs> that then led to the point because you then think, okay, well, um, you agree that you're a writing force. Uh, you like the creative outlet, but when does that become something that sh- shifts from music being storytelling and music ex- existing to communicate and when does it become the, the selfishness of music validates all my hard work if that makes sense you know the the idea that we've all you know you're a musician you get it The we've spent so many years playing working at our instruments sa- sacrificing and and building something um that is there a point where we're starting to create the art for ourselves and not for you know ourselves and everyone else i mm. Again, so that that started to to come up. I guess that b- brought up the point of has Desecrator said what it needs to say right now? You know, has Desecrator, um, which was a band that I put together as a young dude to to slay. You know, it was a band. It was a young man's band that, that got put together to be a dominant live assaulting force that was just going to reaffirm that that thrash metal is is what it is. It's such an energy-based style of music and that if you pre- present it without any perversions, it's a really, really solid foundation for, for communicating and translating energy between people. Um, so I guess we kind of reached the point where we weren't in that headspace anymore and I felt that if we weren't in that space, releasing more music under Desecrator at this point would feel like the, re- the reasoning had shifted and then I'd be afraid that, that we'd be releasing diluted comment. I mean, how many times has a band to your ears released an album that felt like it wasn't for you as a fan, mm. you know? And that, I think that's a really important thing. Like I listen to bands, you know, I'll listen to them, get hooked on them on an album. It just feels like everything they've done is for me as the listener and then i'll listen to the follow-up album with with you know with eagerness only to hear that it doesn't connect to me you know and i didn't want desecrated to become that band i didn't want desecrated to be metallica going through injustice to the black album to load like i i don't think that that was the purpose of Desecrator as a band i think the purpose of Desecrator was to be a statement in aggression and speed and power and all those type of energies so to not be translating that um felt like it wouldn't be desecrated it wouldn't be fair to take the brand and you know I hate the word a fan base but the the people who enjoyed the band um on that type of journey I felt like Desecrator had kind of the summoning was as far as I could mature the band whilst keeping the message of the band pure.
0: It's so hard when, at least from my perspective, I've always yeah. seen you guys as where you get your energy sources is, is from being on the road. It's it's playing live. Yeah. It's all that stuff that you, you, you mentioned, like the origins of the band, why why it was created in the first place. And that's sort of the identity behind the songs. You know, you might sing about a whole bunch of different things. And mm. the songs are diverse in their own right, but ultimately they're fueled by that that ethos of the band of of getting out there playing shows that, that high energy. And if if there's a shift around, you know, playing shows or or the touring and that aspect that's been such a dynamic and, and critical part of the band for so many years, then um I totally get where you're coming from. It's very hard to write in that same vein when you're yeah. not actually living living that energy, that where you got that energy force from before. So I could, I could appreciate that. You know, how do you, yeah, how do you write new stuff, um, without that? And is that ultimately what Desecrator is? So yeah, it makes, it makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. It's the, it's the question that we had to ask as a group, you know, is, um, taking away the main motivator, uh, of, you know, where a band that, that even writing summoning, like, we came off the road and the dudes um, kind of uh, said to me at the start of summoning, right, no more tours, we need to take the, the cattle gates off to write this album. We really feel this album shouldn't have time brackets. Everything mm-hmm. we've done previously, we would always put pressure on. So the band was already pulled off the road after the Airborne tour of Europe. We had a a few things happen, a few missed opportunities, which at the time were very frustrating in the band's growth. But um, I guess we rerouted our attention onto an album. And Jared, in particular, really believed that we had a really powerful album in us. And um, as we started to write the songs for it, everything that we'd learned along the journey, like the culmination of, you know, hugging external heater pipes for warmth at night in the back of fucking <laughs> Russia to, um, you know, to to, to touring and, and taking masterclasses off dudes like Caten from Hyrax who was there in the Metallica garage to, to touring with Venom and, you know, becoming friends with the Venom Inc dudes, um, you know, like all these gr- great experiences which I could harp on about forever, but they, they gave us what we needed to write an album and even though, uh, Muggsy had just come into the lineup. Uh, he'd walked enough roads in Harlot himself, and he'd gone on enough of a journey that he still spoke the same language we were speaking. Mm. Um, so when we, as a group, started to write that album, I feel like the key when I listen to to the album is it is exactly what you're describing as far as our motivations. It was that album. Is the previous ten years of Desecrator learning? That album is is ten years of Desecrator trying, failing, succeeding, going through the emotional pitfalls, lineup changes, like you name it. It's in that album. And I can feel it in the songs. Um, so yes, we as a group need those motivations and we needed those inspirations. And I don't I don't think that means that. Um, That was the only place we were getting our uh, creativity from, but it was a dominant force. And I do think that if I changed where the motivation was coming from, it wouldn't be the desecrator that the people who follow the band uh, go to the band for it, wouldn't give them the outlet that they want. You know, I'm, of course, I'm not a puppet master, so I'm not the one who gets to decide that. And there'll be people who will probably hear that comment and say, well, that's up to the listener. You know, not up to the artist but at the same time I don't know ever want to take that chance under the brand name like you know I want desecrated to be remembered in the strength of its life and I think that that, that was the other thing about summoning sure the albums shattered any previous achievements we'd ever had as far as sales and spread like it has just got a mind of its own, which is amazing, and it's a it's a really we- weird thing to happen at the same time as announcing a final tour. But at the same time, it's kind of beautiful. It's kind of beautiful that all these people are connecting with the band, and their their memory of Desecrated is going to be this strong point, this this you know this stride where we're at our absolute peak. Where the, the stage show was the best, the the lineup was. The best, the you know the, and the material communicated to people the most. So I think as far as the time to, to pull the handbrake on, it feels kind of like I'd rather do it now than try and fail for a couple or, go from being a headliner to a, three out of four to a two out of four, <laughs> you know, play Melbourne. too many times go out on a tour but you know start to see the dwindling heads and the arms crossed and you know I don't know though it's at such a high point now and our our memories of being on the road are already so nostalgic because of the 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 space that COVID's given us that I think why not you know why not chuck the handbrake on at a peak instead of a trough
0: that's a tough one to do. I mean, if you look, you think of all the bands that we've grown up with and and loved, yeah. and, and you know, the bands that no longer exist anymore. A lot of those splits have been due to you know interpersonal drama, or or those dwindling sales, the unsuccessful record, you know, the the left hand turn that they've taken on you know the creativity aspect, um, you know, the the change of their identity and sound, whatever that might be, and yeah. and they sort of wait until those points before basically you're pushed into a corner and you got no choice and it's like, oh, yeah. you know, this is just imploded. And I think yeah. I think for you guys to sort of have the self-awareness to sort of be thinking about all of these things and sort of using it as an exclamation mark to sort of say, you know, this is the story of the band um, mm. and, you know, everything's running great as it is. And due to all these things that you've been talking about, um, you know, it's a, it's a safe opportunity to be able to sort of, yeah, uh, put that full stop on on the band as it stands right now uh, without compromising the legacy that you've created and, and all mm. that history and that hard work by sort of letting it fizzle out or, or leak out of the boat um, due to whatever those, you know, range of scenarios that so many other bands go through. Um, so, I mean, it's a, it's I mean, a tough it'd, thing.
1: It would be so, it would be really sad in, in my eyes to keep putting Desecrator on stages and in front of, people just for my own validation because i'd stubbornly decided that this is what i did i think that's the wrong reason to play to play music like if if that's your motivation let's be honest you don't don't have to you know to call yourself a band you don't have to ever get on a stage these days and if the thing that, that you want is just the validation of playing your instrument then do it with your friends in a rehearsal room privately for the rest of your life I mean, I romantically think that Desecrator will will still get together occasionally and play through old songs and have a time, but I don't think that we need to do it publicly. I think that's for us privately. I think that's something that we can share at a rehearsal room, you know, and I think that that's the difference is that don't don't make people suffer through your own validation until (laughs) the bitter end, you know, like don't put them through it. And because your loyal fans and your loyal friends will, they'll keep, coming and i think you owe them more there now we've talked about the, the power of the ticket holder before mm. and the fact that i believe that the ticket holder is you are there for the person who's invested the money in your band so give them only the best so that you can give them absolutely the best don't go into the oh yeah but this guy left and we got this guy he's not as good but he was the guy who wanted to do it so we got him and we're pretty much the same don't give him that version of your band don't give them oh but my wrist injuries are so bad that we can't really play our songs anymore but we're still going to play them and still going to charge you to come in don't give them that either just only give them your best and when you can't give them your best realize that it's not about them anymore it's about you and you need to make that decision you know I think that um there's so many ways you share art with people um that staying in that one space too long is just it's disrespectful to the legacy and to the people who like your music, in my opinion, you know, Um, I think it, yeah. And and look, touching on the point of the bigger bands that we all know uh, who go through the exact journey you mentioned, I think there's one key point that makes it easier to to have the perspective is that we don't have any fucking money. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I always, I always along the way, I was always so funny about, proving to people that Desecrator could earn that was a really big thing for me and if i look back on it already it's an ego-based thing i wanted people because people who don't understand art and music which let's face it is the majority mm. uh in a country like australia uh, you know unless you're playing d-grade football till your knees give out they won't bring it up at the christmas table so <laughs> you have to find a way to justify your existence and usually it's it's monetary because people, the bloke next to you at work on a Tuesday is going to go. Do you make any money on the weekend? And you're like, no, but I lived a life that you won't even fucking understand. Like, but anyway, uh, the point being with that, where I was <laughs> going before I sidetracked onto that was that uh, if you take away the financial side of it, um, I think there's this really nice purity to music, uh, and you hear bands of large scale talk about it like um talking about how much things were easier when they could just play with other bands they wanted to and they were all in a scene together and then they all got too big and all of a sudden it was political who they played with and the, and they had to get this much money or they were through a booking agency that took this much therefore their guarantee had to be this much or they had to get on this package so their label buys them onto it then they owe the label that much so they've got to earn that much on the road and all those things dilute and complicate the the joy of of Music, they don't take it away. They just change it. They change it into being very gridlined and having to have drive. And Desecrator got into that space because of my keenness for Desecrator to succeed. We needed a certain financial target in order for the band to keep going. But we never reached the point that anyone was pulling a wage out of the band. Everything the band earned just ran the band. The band was an entity that, that could run. And, I mean, that in itself is an achievement as an Australian band. But it was something that always kept me very lean and honest about my motivations of desecrated because it wasn't like we took a show because I wanted an extra 500 bucks in my pocket that week. It wasn't like we made the wrong choice on the wrong lineup because um, Jared had to, you know, do the tires on his car or something, which is a really realistic and viable thing that happens with bands is they actually they rely on the wage you know they get in a spot where they can earn a wage so they do and they have to and then what they're doing with their art becomes monetized and it becomes ex- exactly like the bloke beside you whose knees gave out what he understands it to be which i think is a different it's a, it's a whole different motivation it's and it's almost a perversion of, of music and art in a way so, because we never got in that space, I think it was was easier for me to be able to sit and um, and decide when the end point should be or when the point that we we stop should be because there was n- nothing except for my own motivations and goals and our goals as a group to guide that decision, you know. And I I kind of feel lucky for it. Like it's a strange thing because You know, everyone wants to be in a famous band, earn heaps of money. But the first thing you learn when you're in a band is there are no famous bands that earn heaps of money. They're actually all just bands earning money. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that's a different conversation as well. (laughs) Um, The point being that uh, I think we kind of ended up in a good spot uh, with that, that Desecrator ran itself but didn't run us we've always felt in control of what Desecrator did. And I think a lot of bands get out of that space the minute they involve, um, the growth that's needed with labels, with booking agents, with money, essentially.
0: There's a lot of responsibility and fulfillments, things that, you know, commitments that you've made and you've got to, you've got to be good to them. You
1: have to do, you know, and
0: that's, you know, that's
1: cool. It's a, it's a rat race that I, that I actively wanted to be part of for years, but, um, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's really hard to keep a perspective once you, you're in that rat race, you know, once you've got those cattle gates on. Um, it's not easy, you know.
0: So, like, listening to you talk through all this, like, there's a lot of rationale behind it. Like, it makes sense. Like, 100% mm. makes sense. And I can certainly relate to it just from, you know, the ups and downs of being in a band for, for so many years, you know, and just seeing yeah. – and especially – you know i think i think a lot of musicians over the past you know 12 months or so have you know whether they like it or not have been forced to sit back and and think a little bit about where they sit in their life and and what what are the priorities and and why do they do what they do you know why are they the person that they have created over the past you know 20 years yeah. or whatever it might be leading up to sort of the last 12 months but i mean how hard has it been for you to sort of get to the point of rationale now and the way that you sort of internalized it and processed it now, because it all makes sense. I mean, it's, it's beautiful the way that you're explaining it, but I assume that it hasn't been sort of, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, at the beginning of the chat, like, you know, you guys have always been open and honest, you know, with Mm. each other about, you know, where people's motivations are and make sure everyone sort of is doing the right thing by the band and and each other. But I mean, Was this a bit of a tough thing for you guys and yourself personally to sort of tackle with properly when the the thoughts started to become more prevalent? It
1: was a strange strange process because the conversation kind of happened rather quickly and decisively. Um, And then I think the reality slowly caught up. I think if the world wasn't ground to a halt, And the the usual amounts of show offers and uh, different stuff that just happens in a day-to-day band's life was still at the old fever pitch. Maybe the impact would have been more emotionally instantaneous, but we are in a a bit of, you know, the music industry is kind of still in a bit of a coma at the moment, just kind of sleeping on life support. So I think that that helped to, to, to soften the blow. I mean... It's a different journey for all of us. I feel that um, the guys coming in at their different points have got very different perspectives on how they're emotionally going with it, you know. Um, Jared, uh, since joining the group, has become um, such an integral part of the running of Desecrator in a way that that I hadn't ever allowed another member to be. Uh, which was completely necessary because I was tapped out when he joined the band and he's helped to grow Desecrator to a point that I don't believe I would have been able to without the help of someone. Um, you know, Jerry came into to, to what arguably was the peak time in Desecrator, travel-wise but also sacrifice-wise. So he's given up, you know, uh, given up a lot to be a part of this group um, in the time he has, so I feel his connection's very different as well. Um, But for me personally, it's a very, very interesting time because I feel like Desecrate has been an identity. It's more more than just a band I play in. You know, you meet musicians who play in bands and you're like, okay, that's so-and-so, he plays in that band. I don't think I'm that guy. I think I'm, hey, that's Riley from Desecrate. That's kind of been my known point even down to the stupid haircut on my head for a lot of years, you know. Um, so, I've whether I was hungry to be in that role or whether people just put me in that role, my relevance to a lot of the na- national and international community is really from that band. Um, so, the idea of taking away that relevance is fucking terrifying. Uh, it's exciting at the same time because it means that growth to to what version of yourself is going to come next once you take away that that you know current version of yourself but it has been a hell of a journey to catch my emotions up to the rationale that I knew was there um from the start all the stuff that I've mentioned felt right and we could talk about it together as a group but that doesn't mean that anyone's emotions were ready to admit it to themselves i think um when the tour first got announced that was a big thing uh you know dropping it publicly was a double-edged sword of it felt great like a weight off my shoulders to just get it out in the public um but at the same time the other cutting edge was it's, it's real now you've done it you know it's out there and there's no going back um, so it's been a journey in that way, but I guess I feel and the band feels really helped along by the reaction that's come out uh, since saying it, you know. We were in a nice space where people were really uh, complimentary about summoning and people were really enjoying the record and then to drop something like this, show, to watch the shocks, one thing, but the the kindness that people have shown us as a band and the, the things people have been saying about their experience with and what Desecrator meant to them, what, you know, interacting with us, what our music has done for them in their life has helped the emotional side of it because I guess it's made me firm in the belief that I'm not doing this and going to go like, oh, but if we just had of, or oh, but we didn't quite jump that hurdle or, oh, but we didn't quite get as far on that I truly feel that we've made the impact that I set out to make, and I mean that's an important thing to to touch on. Is that when I started Desecrator, I didn't have I didn't have just an omnipresent idea of band, big, famous. It was a specific band started to be a specific thing. I I put I put together a, I wrote a bunch of songs and I put together a band to be a, an international touring thrash metal band. That was its entire goal. And everything that we've done since then suited that goal. So to look at my tick box list, I think we ticked a lot more boxes than were ever on the sheet in the first place. Yeah. You know, I've gotten to meet the majority of my idols. I've been to countries I never would have thought. I've met people who have you know, bought... And supported our music uh, in parts of the world that you know just, just blow your fucking mind. And I've I've spent so much time playing shows and meeting people in Australia, which was the original goal. I wanted a band, and I wanted to connect with people, and I wanted to be as cool as all the bands that I grew up idolizing. I put bands on pedestals, you know, when I was a kid. I, bands were ten foot tall, and and stages were twenty foot high, like that. Bands and and music was just this really cool thing that if you could achieve it, you'd really be someone, and that was someone I wanted to be. And I guess uh, my seven-year-old dream of having long hair, being covered in tattoos and playing thrash metal, um, got seen to fruition. You know, Desecrator was nothing and became something. So I can happily sit back, kind of sit back on that, that and I guess for the first time in the band's history I can let myself be a bit nostalgic about the things we've done um I never allowed that to happen whilst we were pushing I think it's dangerous to look at too much of your achievements when you're still trying to achieve um I don't like kind of getting comfortable too much um Whereas I think we've allowed ourselves to do that now and I think as a group, even though it's quite emotionally challenging to put to bed something that unites us and that that brings us together as, as people and that has given us the peaks of our lives, um, it also – those stories and memories – and achievements won't ever go away, and they'll only get perverted over time and turned into way bigger crowds and <laughs> way better gigs. Um, you know, so it can only get better from here. You know, and um, it can only it can only be filled with more joy l- looking back on it. I think you have to kind of allow yourself to enjoy the things you've achieved and go. You know that is something, you know, we did do something, we did make an impact, we are written in the history books now, and that was what I always wanted to do, so I feel that on the emotional level, whilst it's still a bit of a journey to get used to, most of what I'm going through is is um, is um joy, joy in talking about it, joy in sharing the stories with people, joy in people caring, you know, there's a lot of things to, to take enjoyment out of, and it's this beautiful space now that because I know that there is an end date, I can allow that joy in. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, to playing this last run of shows because it'll be the first run of shows ever in Desecrator's life with me f- fully um, present, uh, you know, not me being a band leader who's on to the next step and, you know, talking about the next charge and the next front. It'll be a, gr- a group of people who are just there to celebrate the road that it's been and the joy that it's been and to share that with people you know one last time in every city and I just I think that's going to be amazing I think it's going to be so much fun you know it's going to be music on a purity and a level that I reckon I haven't played since I was a teenager and just enjoyed playing you know I think so, I think that
0: alone yeah. is something that most bands will never never get the opportunity to feel I think you know, when you're starting out and, you know, everyone's green and, and just excited and full of mm. testosterone or whatever, just all energy just to get out and play shows that you'll have that initial sort of thrill of, of of the novelty of it all. But as you just said before, and you mentioned a few times, the the, the thing that burdens a lot of musicians is that it's a process, it's, it's a long game, it's, it's, you know, we're doing something now, but it's for whatever's happening tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. And so you never, I mean, you can say that you're present during a show and you can really, and you'll have those particular shows that do stand out over others, but Mm -hmm. to be able to do a run of shows, knowing that this has additional meaning and it's not for what happens next, it's for what happens now. I mean, just you explaining that, just, oh man, like I would, I'd love to have that feeling. That's, that's an amazing feeling. And, and I don't think a lot of bands will allow themselves the opportunity because going back to what we said earlier, you know, a lot of bands will just either fizzle out or run themselves into the ground because, you know, they're too scared of just sort of stopping when, when the time's right.
1: Yeah. I think by the point that, that you would reach that point, you're not in a healthy relationship with the people around you anymore. And that robs you of that point. And I think, that that is that is one of the greatest joys about this decision, and I guess it's something that that's kind of hard to translate to people who aren't on the stage side of the interaction. Um, you know, the, there's been a lot of shocked people, and a lot of people have contacted me, which has been amazing. Like just even the fact that they feel affected enough to reach out is is completely humbling, but. Um, it's hard to explain the difference between what have been these amazing tours that we've done and what have been great shows. And, you know, I've got, I've got memories of, of spine tingling, hairs on the back of your neck, things to, for days. But they're not – they were always a part of a game plan. And it just – to take that away just seems – yeah, it seems magic. It seems like the closest – a modern band can ever get to the origins of music back when an artist was just an artist and someone took care of everything else I've always looked at that very top small percentage of the pyramid who are indulged artists you know especially artists from a young age who are they have the right support around them so their finances are taken care of They don't even think about money it's just Taken care of, and they have a comfortable life where they're just encouraged to be in an artistic space, and they create art on a level that I don't think you can unless you're in that space. Um, and there's this kind of beauty where they just exist to create art, and there's no, none of the the stresses of the money and the labels and all that we talk about before that is now in a band's face. They don't even have it in their face. It's just taken care of. Someone just says everything's sorted and that's all they have to believe in. I think this is probably the closest I'll ever get to that space because by the time we get out on these shows, um, everything will be taken care of, you know, Um, so that we can just actually enjoy the space, enjoy catching up with people, enjoy playing with bands that we've known, known along the way, but not doing what you always do, which is going, oh, I'd be sick to catch up for a beer or let's have a beer after the show and then you end up at Merch or you end up doing something else or you talk to someone or you've got to go drive early. So you're like, oh, next time, man, then two years go by, you know. <laughs> so it'll be really nice uh, to just be in that place where we can say, we're here tonight completely and presently let's enjoy this together you know and I'm sure that's going to be bittersweet I'm sure there's going to by the time the bands match fit again you know because the first few shows you still find your feet and you're a little bit rusty and you've got cobwebs especially with the gap we've had with COVID but by the time the band's got a stride and we're used to the the lack of sleep again and um it's all just happening and my throat's kind of burnt out and come back and everyone's joints are kind of humming it's going to hit what we used to always call nasty type, you know, show seven type type of thing where you just, you don't even think about the music because it just happens. It just mm-hmm. comes out. And there's this, this beautiful performance m- moment where you're like, you're not thinking about your hand on the fretboard. You're not thinking about the lyrics. You're just delivering what you were born to deliver. And I'm sure we're going to get back there. And there's going to be the bittersweet moment of going, fuck, is this, you know, this is the last time in this town that I'm going to experience this, this feeling, you know, so there, there will be ups and downs, I'm sure. But I think that the celebration of it will outweigh uh, anything else.
0: Oh, envious on that point alone. I think uh, it, yeah, as I said before, I don't think a lot of bands will, uh, will allow themselves the opportunity when, when that time comes and it, and it comes for every band. It's just a case of understanding when, when the right time is for that. But, you know, going back to, you know, thinking about this and, and this, this idea then turning into a decision that was made. I mean, obviously, you know, speaking about it amongst the band and, and, you know, all sort of sharing, sharing thoughts and opinions before you come to a consensus of what you, what you want to do. But did you, did you personally reach out to other people, other mates, other musos to sort of bounce these ideas off, off other people just to sort of get them out of your head and see what, what the perspective was like?
1: Yeah, a couple of people. Yeah. I, um. I'm very lucky that I um I've got a lot of uh good good you know fellow musicians at different levels of their career, different levels of fame, different uh, you know distances along their own journeys in my life, and um, I definitely said it to a few people um, more for the personal stuff than than career advice because I guess it always felt like what I've been talking about in the timing felt so correct at the time um like as it was coming out it felt natural enough that I didn't really need to second guess it um and the other guys shared an understanding like it wasn't like we all sat down and we're all happy we're all a bit kind of like well that's emotionally numbing and a bit confusing but we all agreed on the rationale of it so that side didn't really need to be double checked but for my own emotional journey and my own fears um I definitely reached out to some people around me on a local and international level um and I guess beyond everyone being a bit shocked I guess because of the the type of driven person that I've put forward um everyone kind of came back with great advice on, you know, what they thought about their end or what they thought the journey might end. And it's funny how once you start talking about it with people who are seasoned, you know, people who've lasted past their 30s, people who've lasted in bands past the 10-year mark, um, you all have very similar outlooks, even if you're not agreeing on doing the same thing. You all have very similar outlooks on on the reasons and the motivations for these things. So it was nice to validate that a bit, um, and to kind of have the people I could bring in on that decision. Um, no one told me I was fucking crazy, which was re- really nice. Um, <laughs> which is good. I mean, other oh, people just quietly thought it, but, but you know, <laughs> but I was resolute enough that they are like, oh well, he's fucking, no point telling him he's crazy. No point telling a crazy man he's crazy. Um, <laughs> It was either that or it just made enough sense that no one felt the need to say, but have you thought about it this way? Have you thought about this? Um, or maybe people were just really excited to see Desecrator finish. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe they're like, fuck, it's about time those guys fucked right up.
0: <laughs> I think, I think uh, anything, I mean, I, I just, I, I sort of put myself in, in, you know, another person's shoes and I think if someone's, you know, expressing themselves in a way which comes across as very, not just well thought out or, or even rational, but just there's, there's a genuine approach to their way of thinking and, and why they've got to the point that they're at. And, and it's like anything in life, if, if you're, if you're finding that things aren't the way that you would like them to be, or, um, mm. you're not, you're not hundred percent satisfied or yeah, it's just, it's just not, it's not motivating you in the same ways that you we're looking for this to motivate you then i mean you know from my point of view as a as an outsider i mean who would i be to to attack that or or to challenge that apart from you know making sure that um you know maybe there's an awareness yeah. of of what the what the consequences of a decision are but ultimately i mean if somebody feels something you can't you can't mess with that mm. i think you got and
1: yeah, yeah totally got to otherwise you're in that.
0: denial and that and that goes back into all those scenarios we we're talking about before where you know you just keep plodding along in denial yeah. and compromising. I've definitely had
1: a couple of, a couple of people uh, have... The reason we used indefinite
0: hiatus, uh, which is something
1: I wanted to touch on, I guess, is um, as opposed to breaking up. I think breaking up has such a negative connotation to yeah. it and it implies unhappiness and mm. it implies unrest. And your mind... I don't know, but my mind instantly goes to there's trouble, trouble in the group. There's, you know, they've had a falling out or, some, you know, someone's fucked it. Um, so I didn't want to touch that term. I wanted, and I guess I feel like as Desecrator's been me and I've been Desecrator for so long, I feel like it'll always exist on some level. Like I might be being a bit romantic here, but the idea of Desecrator existing, going forward, like, I listen to, to more bands that aren't together than bands that are together, I reckon, uh, personally. So I believe that the Desecrator exists for as long as people want to hear Desecrator. It doesn't mean that Desecrator has to exist as an active band to exist in that way. And I guess I tried to say that in the hiatus press release, is that as long as the music's there, as long as people enjoy the music and as long as people still grab a T-shirt out of their cupboard, as long as people still chuck it on at a party um still exists like that's that was my number one goal with this band was to to make something that, that made an impact that was beyond me um so i feel like it's a hiatus in a way that it's a hiatus because i'm taking away the live entity of the band i'm taking away the front of the band um but i'm not taking away the band like the band still exists, Desecrator will still exist. You know, we've even, for the next year or so, we've got solid plans to to share as much old, great tour stuff that we've got with people online as possible. Um, because I'd love to, to, to keep sharing that with people. I don't think that we're just going to go dark just because we are as a band going inactive and going on hiatus. But I think that we've got so much good stuff sitting in the catalogues that we're always on the one day. Like we'll, we'll look at that one day or we'll do that one day. And I think that, that it will still be fun to, to, to keep the socials active and, and to, to to communicate with people. I think a lot of bands to my eye do that really well where they don't use it to, to stay active. Um, I'm not going to be on there preaching and talking about the band because the band is defunct, but but we are going to be on there, sharing nostalgia and sharing moments and sharing out times that that we believe people enjoy seeing, whilst they still continue to enjoy Desecrator. So that was, I guess, why the term hiatus was was chosen because I feel like the band will always kind of exist. It's just that it is um, not existing in the format that it traditionally was was invented for. You know?
0: Yeah. And I, I yeah, you know, the comment you made before about listening to more bands that are inactive or mm. no longer together as a, as a functional sense um, mm. versus current bands that are around. I'm, I'm the same. I look at my shelves with all my, my CDs and my vinyl. Yeah. And there's so many bands that just uh, are not around anymore for various reasons. And, yeah. and I've got, um, I don't know if you've got that book from uh, uh, Brian Griffin, uh, the, uh, what's it the Encyclopedia of Australian Heavy Metal. And it's yeah. like this, gigantic book that's just filled with bands and you scroll through. I, I love looking through it. Cause I always find a band. I'm like, who the hell is this? And then I look at one of the yeah. band members. And I'm like, Oh, it's old mate. Like he plays in such and such band these days. Yeah, and you sort of totally. trace it back. And I, I love, I love discovering music that, you know, was, you know, bands that were barely a band before I was even born, let alone, you know, what's yeah. happened in the last, you know, 37 odd years. And I, I just, there's a, Uh, I've spoken about this quite a bit on the podcast and probably with you as well. I think one of the, the humbling things and and one of the things that gives you peace of mind is that, you know, all the touring, all the promotion, all that sort of stuff, it's all important. It's all part of the game and it's, and they bring and retain great memories, but you know, what you put out there in the music space, that stuff's timeless, you know, and it's a stamp. It's a time capsule of the time. And as you've explained before, it's, it's, it's the band up until that point. It's everything behind mm. the band up until that point of putting that album out. And, and that album will continue to get discovered and, and all of your releases will continue to get discovered by mm. people in the coming years. And I think that's yeah. awesome because you, you take the pressure off the band, um, of getting out there and constantly trying to be relevant, uh, constantly trying to get in front of people's faces. Um, the unknowns, what we spoke about at the beginning about, you know, what's, what's a typical touring musician, you know, what's their life look like, you know, over the coming, coming years and no one really knows for sure. And there's a lot of, a lot of risks and, and, and and unknowns that are ahead of us. So, you know, I think if any band out there, whether you've been together for a year or five years or 20 years or whatever it might be, if you're a if you're able to record and put out music, then that's, you've, you've left a stamp, you've left, you've left something behind yeah. and it's something that can continue to be discovered and enjoyed. So um, I I love it. And I love the fact that you, know, you guys are keen to continue to share stuff as well and share the stories mm. and share the information about the band and not just to be, yeah, um, shutting the doors. Then you're never going to hear from, hear from us again, because I think mm. it's just important that, you know what you guys have done should be celebrated for as long as you can and i think there should be you know no doubt you guys have got a lot of ideas but you know as you're talking my my mind's going in a million different directions but to be able to time continue to time capture what you guys have done is just um it's an exciting thing and i think it's a nice a nice way to to no doubt give you guys a little bit of closure uh as far as this era or this chapter of what you guys are doing and yeah. and might help you you know make decisions on what the future lies as far as, you know, being a creative and what you want to do yeah. and, and whether you want to do another band or, or just do something mm. at home in your bedroom or just with your mates in the rehearsal room, whatever it might be. It's just, it gives you sort of that, that new lease of life to to move forward with, uh, with something fresh.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that touches on, that, uh, touches on a good point, uh, as well in that, mm, there's been a few people have written it to me, actually. You know, a few musicians have written to me saying, Oh, you're giving up or you've lost the fight, type of thing. And I think that's such a misunderstanding of what's happening. Like, if anything, it's the opposite. I feel like we've won the fight. This was our fight. Like, our fight's different to everyone else's fight. Every band has an individual time frame and um, an artistic goal set that I think that um, just because one band are are out there struggling to achieve one goal that might take them their whole career to jump that hurdle because that's their set of goals doesn't mean another band hasn't ticked all their – jumped all their hurdles and and reached a point of of contentment where they are for the point. Now, if Desecrate is there for eternity, I can't can't answer you now. I don't have that perspective. But, you know, there's definitely – there's no lack of keenness for every member of Desecrated to be to be a creative musician. And I think that um that's important too. like like whether it's uh, creative together or creative separately there'll there'll be no lack of of people from this band um, being musicians. This is not a a retirement of sorts, you know, and that was something that I did worry about about announcing the hiatus. Because I'm announcing that well, you know, we're announcing that, but I guess because I'm the face of the band and I'm the one talking about it, I'm announcing that on behalf of, of three other people as well. So it's it's important to me to to convey that none of the dudes in my band are retiring. Like we're not dudes who are hanging up our guitars on the wall to be items that we just look at and gather dust. And it's not like Jared's drum cymbals are slowly going to get a layer of snow on them. Like we're all active musicians. Um, so I'm sure the hunger uh, is going to ch- change. It's going to take different shapes. Now, whether it's um, us to together enjoying the, f- the freedom of creativity in a new space or whether it's um, – you know everyone in in new bands or in new groups or releasing their own music i i've got no doubt that um that the members of desecrator will pop up pretty bloody soon
0: well it's a positive that's the main thing and i think i think yeah. from a fan point of view i mean i was probably just as shocked as as a lot of other big fans of the band i mean you mm. know I, I know we've we've crapped on about this in the past about the word fan friends mm. of the band and yeah. uh you know it i think um you always worry and I think, you know, you've, you've been no doubt in the same position as me where we've seen a lot of, a lot of friends, a lot of mates that have, um, have not always ended it on the right note for the right reasons and, and have thrown the towel in and maybe missed an opportunity or or haven't reached their full potential or done the things that they deserve to achieve because maybe there was a moment or, or a situation that sort of just has steered them in a, in a, in a direction where they've just Decide to, to give up, um, for mm. a lack of better term. And so yeah. I think there's always a worry when you see, when you see mates that, uh, that are making big decisions and you go, oh man, like, you know, mm. you know, and you, and you, you feel for them because I think we all have that inner, that, that underlying anxiety of just wanting to achieve something as, as a musician, as a person in the yeah. band creating music. And you just hope that, you know, whatever, whatever the decisions are, the reasons behind those decisions, I should, I should say, uh, are the right ones. And, Mm. um, and you know, they're the, they're for the very best of the person or the people involved. So it's, uh, it's nice to, it's nice to hear you talk about it all because it makes, it makes complete sense. And it's, it's a nice positive in a way because it's a, it's a beautiful little bow on on a, on a lovely package called Desecrator, <laughs>
1: and the label wanted man was a bow on the logo. That's it. That's they it. never let me have it. I had an upside down cross instead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and now and you know once you know over the coming months and you know going out and doing that that final run of shows which will be amazing, and then having sort of whatever the future brings after that. And I think that's just it's just all positive and and um, it's encouraging mm. and, and probably a little bit inspiring f- for probably fellow musicians to listen to because it sort of just gives everyone a bit of deep down assurance that, you know, we we can make bigger decisions and we don't have to keep doing the same thing over and over again when, you know, sometimes the external elements start to change and we don't always have control over the situation. So, yeah.
1: I guess that, yeah, if there was anything, you know, unlike other times where i've done done podcasts and interviews which have had a motivation i guess i've always felt um like i wanted to to um be helping the greater good in these type of conversations this one's a little bit more self-absorbed because it is just talking inwardly about us as a group but if there is one thing that I think it would be healthy to convey to other musicians and even just the understanding of, of, of people who listen to music and enjoy bands and follow bands, like like adamantly follow them release to release as opposed to just flippantly turn them on and off, um, is that it's okay to think outside the stereotype of what a band's progression has to be and it's it's okay to make your own decisions and write down your own goal lists and they don't have to be what Metallica's were. They don't have to be, you know, they don't have to be what was written in Metal Hammer that Corey Taylor said once, you know, they they are yours, you know, and it's okay to realise that, that yours as an adult are different to what they were when you were a kid too, you know. Don't just play and keep playing because when you were young, and full of fire, you made some decisions. You know, it's very easy to make some decisions and then just stubbornly stick to them past the point that you even know why you decided them in the first place. If life's ever-changing, you know, your, your experience is ever-changing, your, you know, your interactions shape you, and as a musician, if you aren't open to those those ch- changes i think you're ch- cheating yourself out of creativity at the core of it you know so admit these things to yourself and don't don't let your ego get in the way of something that might be potentially scary whether it's taking a left or a right turn instead of going straight ahead whether it's you know taking on new artistic endeavors or or ending old ones that are comfortable or just shaking the tree and seeing what falls out don't be scared of it because if this process has taught me one thing it's that um, with change and with the fear and with all of the anxiety and everything that comes along with it is amazing creative inspiration you know you can get into a space that you'll not 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 have experienced since before you're in the other space so you start to remember what those energies were that motivated you to do something in the first place. But you see it in this whole new light because you're a a different person than when you made your first decisions and you get some great inspiration out of it. You get some great life clarity out of it. You'll become a better person for it. Your friends will want to hang out with you more. It's basically an endorsement for (laughs) Coca-Cola. So, you know, you will run faster, sleep better, fuck better, and you'll just be a better dude, you know, or, or woman. <laughs> uh, just make, you know, make the big calls. Don't be scared of it. I think that's a, a really important thing to, to do in life.
0: I love it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. And um, and it's something that I think a lot of us even struggle just to get the awareness in the first place, let alone make mm. the decision to actually shake things up and, and take those risks. And, and a lot of the time, yeah, you know, once you do take those steps, then they're nowhere near as daunting or as overwhelming as as you have made them out to be. Of course. Um, so, but it's um, but it's a case of just trying to have them front of mind and and just know that at any stage, you know, you can make decisions, and if mm. something's not a hundred percent or it's not firing firing on all cylinders, mm. then then make an adjustment and don't be afraid to to hold out and yeah. and continue to sort of chug along, um, you know, not at full capacity.
1: I think as an artist, you have to like you, you have to really challenge the space you're in if you want to continue to create um because if you're not creating from a present moment then what are you creating like if you're creating from a a moment that was in the past then you're not there anymore so how are you even going to translate it And if you're creating from a moment in the future you haven't lived it yet so what are you going to have to say and how are you going to know that's what you got to say until you actually get there? You can only create from the moment you're in. So identifying yourself with the present um, I think is vital as an artist and recognising that sometimes the present isn't comfortable. Sometimes it's not going to be what you thought it was, but sit with it and um, explore it and realise what it is and make the necessary steps to make sure that you're, you're right in that moment. You know,
0: I think that's a, there's a pretty good way to, to round this chat out, out I should say. And um, yeah, a bit of
1: Buddhist philosophy for the end of it. Yeah. Why not?
0: Why not leave everyone with something to think about. Just like just sit there on the yeah. couch going, Oh, okay. All right. I'll, uh, I'll process that one. Um, so I think it's important because, there's going to be plenty of time for people to make decisions and and what they want to do, but um, there are some tour dates, the rescheduled ones for January uh, of yeah. 2022, just to really yeah. timestamp this conversation because who knows when people are going to listen to this? But I no doubt the majority of people will listen to this long before uh, mm. these shows roll around. So, um, have you got dates in front of you? Because I certainly do. I can I can do the plugging for you if you don't have. Uh...
1: Yeah, go on. I've got to do a few button clicks.
0: Okay, all right. So what do we got? We've got uh, January the 6th.
1: New South
0: Wales is first, isn't it? No. No. Well, hang on. Um, Is Albury in New South Wales? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. there you go. It's on the border. I always get those two, Albury and Wodonga mixed up. Uh, So Beer Deluxe in Albury on the 6th of January. Then you've got The Basement. In Canberra on the seventh of January, then uh... I can't
1: wait to play to thirty people in Canberra and pretend it was sixty the next day.
0: <laughs> oh, but, sh- surely you're going to get better in Canberra. Surely I'm
1: going to. I'm going to. We've actually played some fantastic shows in Canberra. It's, it was definitely a fun place to play, and the basement's a really good stage. Uh, they've opened that space up really nicely. But um, we've. Uh, I'm going to enjoy the fuck out of um, running a running a tour diary. That no band would dare to. While we do this tour, um, um, I'm gonna run. I'm gonna take the photos from the back of the room instead of <laughs> right next to the stage, like every other band does on social media. Check out this action shot from one head deep. There are only two heads deep, but we're not going to show you the two heads deep. I'm taking them from the back of the room. That's my inspiration on this tour. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna be be honest about who was at these shows, and I'm gonna let people know the reality of touring in a band in Australia and how thoroughly it all awesome it is but what the reality is whether it's awesome whether it's not i'm just going to put it out there that's something i'm actually really excited about i think it's going to be cool to like say all right this is what the venue looks like in its honesty you know this is what the crowd was like tonight but jesus christ we had a lot of fucking fun with them you know i think it's going to be cool so many bands try and avoid that like fuck i've said it before if you if your gig doesn't come out on social media the next day did did you even play a gig it's like the the, the tree falling in the woods thing you know, um, so I'm going to give social media a thrashing of Australian honesty.
0: I love it. I love it because yeah. we like I, I actually criticize photographers who take photos from the back of the room, going, get up close and just yeah. yeah. Get Why rid of would that. you
1: do this to this? Band? Don't a, don't make
0: a... any band look smaller than what they are. Like give them. It's, a,
1: it's an unkind thing to do because <laughs> the perception is. You know, the perception is that, that if you're not playing in a packed room, you're not doing well. It doesn't factor in that you're probably pl- playing in a regional town on a Tuesday. That's right. So yeah. the 30 people who came was a high achievement in bloody Leeton or something, you know. <laughs> um, but, uh, but people don't take it that way. So I, I totally agree, man. I look at photos from the back of the room, especially when bands do it to other bands. I'm like, oh, you're just being a dick now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I can do it to my own band.
0: <laughs> oh look, I think if you if you frame it the right way, just the way you explained it, I think it'll be It'll be beautiful because it'll be a nice message just to remind people of, of why we do what we do and why we yeah. go out and have fun and just be, and look, to be honest, I mean, this is me talking purely from a selfish point of view and a, yeah. and from a punter, but I'd yeah. much rather go to a gig that's, you know, a quarter full or half full than absolutely packed the rafters because it's a pain oh, in the man, ass.
1: It's so, it's so unpleasant.
0: Yeah, and I can't get a beer quickly, and, you know, I'm just so, not enjoying it, and there's and there's always yeah. people there that you just don't want to be there, and just those gronks and all that sort of stuff. So that's me being, being selfish. But, you know, if you're framing it from a, you know, just, just a reminder to say, look, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter who shows up. I think
1: up. it'll be a nice thing, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's an empowering thing that I think hopefully it'll let a few bands put their guard down and say, you know what, if you've if are happy to to show joy from these moments. I mean, fuck, some of my best memories, man, I'm, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but some of my best memories are like, like I remember doing Bull on a Wednesday in the middle of winter. Uh, <laughs> and um, I reckon there were like 13 people in there, and that probably included the band that played before us, you know. <laughs> but of those 13 people, we had like one of the, the most fun and intimate and personal shows because you just I know you just throw away the caring and you're like right this is for those people they're they're here they've paid to get in they're here we're here with them this is this is our night together and like yeah it those are sometimes the moments that stand out so I kind of want to find a way to show people those moments that that empower those moments and don't look like empty rooms they look like the few who were lucky enough to experience it on that level. Because I, I truly believe in those moments because I enjoy them, you know. I've seen some of my favourite bands play to fuck all people and thought it was the fucking best. And it didn't make me think, oh, geez, my favourite band's a bit not as good. It made me go, fuck, I was lucky, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely. and but- And there's nothing worse than going to a show to see a band play and the band you can see is totally disappointed with, with the turnout and you can yeah. see it in their performance and you go, yeah. well, hang on, like, uh, I paid, I paid to get yeah. in and so did the guy next to me and yeah. and, and the four or five other people in the room. It, you know, it might not be many of us, but we've made the decision to come and see yeah, you. totally.
1: The, the yeah. money from our wallet is still going in your pocket to put fuel in your tank to drive to the next place that a few more people might come to. So, you still kind of owe us a thank you and a good show. <laughs> but, yeah, I just think, you know, it, it's going to be nice to, to again, be present and enjoy those moments, but to also try and sh- share those moments. But, anyway, I interrupted. You said, we're playing Albury. That's a starting point. We've got one show out for it. So,
0: Albury, and then, and then you said you were going to get fuck all people uh, in Canberra, but I reckon, yeah, I reckon yeah. you'll, you'll get a few. I reckon that'll go all right, Friday night in Canberra, uh, the 7th of mm-hmm. Jan. Then uh, the following night, Saturday the 8th of January at Hamilton, Hamilton Station in Newcastle,
1: mm-hmm. so on
0: Newie. Newie's got a good scene up there. Yep. And uh, then the Sunday, so you got a four-run show. This is excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frankie's Pizza in Sydney, Sundays at Frankie's Always Go Well. So that'll be a nice one. It's and a really
1: fun vibe. Like, I really hope – it's hard in Sydney for a Melbourne band. Like, I really find that uh, Sydney has always been a very clicky – scene and for different ways than melbourne is melbourne's a clicky scene for bands and for lineups i think sydney's a clicky scene for who organizes the show um depending on who's running your show is depending on what crowds you're going to get and if they're going to come out um we've played some phenomenal nights up there um you know over the years and we've also done some absolute fucking hard hard quiet ones but um (laughs) I'm hoping, like, Frankie's is one of our favourite spaces because they're really cool people. It's a really cool bar, obviously. We've done a lot of playing there, and, of course, it, it, it fills out a Sunday night, which is hard to do on a tour. Um, I'm hoping that Sydney is an out-and-about-enough city this time round uh, with a, a, a vibrant enough music culture that I've seen because I've been part of it, um, that on a Sunday night we can still get a really good good vibe in uh Yeah, in Frankie's and and really kind of send off Sydney. Like it, it it feels like Sydney should be a show that there's some core people there um, from along the journey. So, so hopefully Sunday won't deter them too much, and we can really kind of fuck up their week before it even starts.
0: (laughs) Well, I reckon I reckon it's probably the best timing to do this show because it's pretty Mm. much what the first week or the first going into the second week of January. So yeah. a lot of people are still going to be off um, still sort of in holiday mode. It's summer as well. So great time of the year. And we're yeah. also, you know, as it stands now, um, we're about to come out of our lockdown yeah. in Sydney. It's exciting. And, and so we're about to hit what I would hope is a really great time for, yeah. for live music. And just for, just for attitudes in general here in Sydney, I think people are going to be really excited to just to get out of, out of the house yeah. and, and do yeah. things. And I think, I think, come January and February, it's still going to be rolling. So uh, I, I'm quietly confident for you guys. I reckon that'll be a that'll be a big show. So that's yeah. uh Sunday, the 9th of January at Frankie's Pizza. Then you've got uh, the following week, it looks like Friday, the fourteenth of January at Mo's Desert Clubhouse on the Gold Coast. Yeah, how cool's
1: that sound.
0: Yeah, that sounds that sounds like know. it could go in it could, it could go really yeah. well or it could Fucking... I have
1: no conception of the joint, um, but I, I love the fucking name. And I really hope that we're treated like filth and made to play on the floor in the corner <laughs> and then have to buy a hamburger. I, that's the experience I want from that joint. Um, I want it to be really, yeah, I want it to be on that level. I, I really hope that if we get
0: there. It's hard work. <laughs> I, I it, just, it just, it looks like a name that's probably shown up on like a nine news report of a, like a, a police invasion or something like that. Yeah. You know?
1: Nine dead. At most. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: so we got that one Friday, the, the 14th of Jan and the Gold Coast summer. Once again, like doing these shows in summer. Great. Like this is going to be really good for you guys. Uh, then the following night, Saturday, the 15th of January at uh, the Mansfield Tavern in Brisbane for uh, for a big show there Mansfield Tavern's awesome I've played uh, we played there at least once I think but uh, sure. very very cool venue okay. and uh, the locals love it there as well so I think um, sure. I think you guys will have a great show there up in Brizzy and then, there's always
1: been a, a very thriving thrash metal scene in Brisbane it's yep. not the crowd support has not always been the biggest because I don't think they have the de- the density of metalhead to support all the different genres up there at times, but the scene of bands and the quality of, of bands in Brisbane has always been great. I think they've they're kind of an unsung because everyone goes thrash metal Melbourne because I guess we had such a dominant bunch of bands early on, but there's a yeah there's a, me, a mega wave of great bands up there that um, I l- love playing Brisbane because they all come out and it's always a really good night.
0: Yeah, yeah, Brizzy's, Brizzy's great and I can see I can see some good stuff happening up there where I think a yeah. few promoters are starting to start to work together and align themselves. And I think uh we're starting to get back to some glory days of um of a Brizzy medal, which is good. So yeah. yeah. Uh then the following Saturday, the twenty second, uh, the desecrator final Melbourne show, Capital Letters. Yeah. And I believe that's at the Hi Fi. Yep. Well,
1: yeah. uh, now called Max Watts. Max Watts, okay. Player. I
0: have to um, get, him, get him right.
1: Yeah, man. It um, that's going to obviously be for us the the centerpiece of the tour. Um, hometown farewell show is a really big deal, especially as a live band in in Melbourne. I feel uh, very excited about that. We've uh, the venue's a great space. It's a nice big stage to do it on. Um, it's going to be a joy. I've got a lot. I've got a lot planned visually as well as musically for that night. It's going to be a very standout show um, that I think punters are going to want to be a, a part of. I've put a lineup together that, to my knowledge, and I'm pretty sure I'm right, has never been done before. Mm. Um, and it is a an absolute who's who. I think we release that next week or the week after, but it's a very – yeah, it's the kind of thing that I don't think you'd be able to get all the bands to agree to if one of the bands wasn't playing their farewell show. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, um, yeah, it. Uh, I'm really excited to put, to put that one out and play, and play that one. It's going to be – there's a few things I had left on my bucket list personally as a, as a musician in Desecrator, a few little goals that I had left that I've been able to co- make come to fruition at Max Watts. I won't. Drop them now but they will be a spectacle that's for sure
0: well when this comes out if it's not announced i'll have links in the i'm gonna have links anyway to all the all yep. the uh, ticket links and and for the dates yep. and everything so people can have a squeeze and uh after we get off this chat i was meaning to do it uh, the other day when you guys uh, announced that tickets were available for melbourne but um mm. i'm just gonna book a ticket uh for uh, for that wow. melbourne show and, and, uh, and then explain it to Jess afterwards and just say, oh, by the very way. Good.
1: Sounds like very good reasoning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounds like the kind of logic that a musician possesses.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: Say yes now, work out how later.
0: <laughs> work it out. That's exactly right. That's pretty much been, I think, yeah, most musicians for their entire careers, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. What, negotiate afterwards, just commit, say yes, get yeah, into yeah. it, work it out later. Yeah,
1: Full it. blind commitment. Yep. Then go, oh, fuck. How?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that crea- creativity, all those skill sets—that's where they all de- are developed you know, out of uh, out of a necessity yeah. of being backed into the backed into a corner. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Just <laughs> fight your way out. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: So I think, as you said, that's going to be that's going to be pretty much the the big focal point. That's going to be your big show, yep. I think, of the tour. But um, a little while after that, looks like a couple of weeks after that, uh, you guys are over to Adelaide playing the Enig- yep. Enigma Bar, the classic Enigma Bar. So that's yeah, the one uh, more
1: time. Yeah. We are… Uh, our original drummer, Matt, was from Adelaide, and Desecrator actually played our very first ever show in Adelaide. Yeah, right. Uh, in Enigma. So um, we felt it was worth going one more time and play on that weird-sounding corner stage <laughs> one more time. Um,
0: like, and like uh, all that stuff upstairs as well?
1: Oh, the yeah. The, the, the <laughs> Predator <pressure> statues?
0: Yeah. <sighs> That's what funny. a...
1: What a space. Like what a space that, that was designed by someone who watched a film about what young heavy metal people liked in ninety-two and then built a built a venue and went, that's the aesthetic. People fucking love corrugation. And you know what sounds great? Corrugated iron. <laughs> and you know what goes well with corrugated iron? Mechanically built predator statues. People fucking love predator. Predator's very cool with the young kids. Now, let's feed them Red Bull and alcohol. This cannot <laughs> fail. The old Enigma. And the the fact, I remember doing Young Enigma Bar because I don't know if it's still the deal now. I haven't negotiated an Enigma show in a while, but it used to be like it gets a rider when there a 100 payers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> which we all know that in Adelaide's a fucking fallacy and a rot. <laughs> because because even if there's 100 people in that room, half those people ain't paying.
0: <laughs> no, no way.
1: <laughs> um, we started to believe that they'd get up to the 80-odd ticket mark in Enigma and they just start like letting them in for free. They're like, we're not giving them a rider. You just go in for free, buddy. That's fine. <laughs> anyway, Enigma. I, I, remember,
0: I remember one time, just a quick Enigma story, is uh, for yeah. a rider, I'm pretty sure they... They either gave us drink tickets. I don't think they actually gave us a case or anything like that, but yeah. I think they gave us uh, tickets and it was for the house beer only. And the house beer yeah. on this particular show that I can remember, I don't think it was every time, they had the house Enigma beer. And i tell you what, I mean, it's I've... the
1: ends I've, of the kegs.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had some rough beers over the years yeah. and, uh, look, after a while it doesn't really matter anymore because your taste buds go. But, yeah. um, this it matters is the, the
1: next day, Andy. Is, oh,
0: it, without a doubt. <laughs> without
1: a they doubt. really, the amount of times that I've gone down those back fire escape stairs to drink out the back of a car uh, instead of drinking Enigma's non-supplied house beer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you've got to take matter in your own hands. You do, you do.
0: So, um, so that, that's uh, the time. So we're, so we're going to be
1: in Enigma. I'm looking forward to that. I'll see everyone in the car park. Because we won't reach the rider of fucking capacity. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that's Saturday, the twelfth of Feb for uh for my Adelaide mates listening in. And
1: yeah. then
0: uh the following weekend, the eighteenth of Feb on a Friday night is at Volta in Ballarat. Yeah. Ballarat yeah. Central. Ballarat yeah. Central. I've never heard of Volta before, but um I'll be I'll be looking for a report after you guys play it. Yeah,
1: I um me neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um me neither. But uh I Yeah, I I don't know. Fair, I'll let you know. Ballarat's always been a bit of a mainstay for us at early Desecrator. um, There was still quite a dominant scene in Ballarat. Um, There were a lot of bands. I mean, a lot of Victorian bands. There's a big lineage of metal from Ballarat. Um, That, I feel, has kind of not been as present for the last few few years. There's definitely bands coming out of Ballarat, but I feel that they haven't carved a hometown identity in a way that, that they did in the damaged era mm-hmm. type of thing. But um, there were some r- really great shows in the early days there. So we kind of starved it a little bit in the in-between years, but we thought it would be really nice to get back on this tour and get back down there and hopefully get a few of the geriatrics out and, um, yeah, kind of give them all shoulder and, and neck aches. So we'll, we'll see how we go. But Ballarat, I think, will be cool too because it's a nice little drive out of Melbourne. And it's always – there's something about the, the vibe of Ballarat that suits heavy metal. It's got – you drive into all the old kind of bluestone bridges and that, that heritage of the, of a, an industry-based town, and it kind of suits the way heavy metal looks to me so i like going
0: there yeah we um i think we've only ever played there once we played at um what was that place the K- uh corova lounge or something like that or whatever yeah corova
1: yeah, with the stop
0: yeah. yeah and uh yeah great experience and we've always meant to go back there and well never say never but uh yeah bring on bring on volta in ballarat yep. uh and i'll, I'll i think actually actually i
1: think volta is Karova. I think oh, that's the new name? name for Korova.
0: Oh, cool. I think yeah, so. excellent venue and, then.
1: And if I'm totally wrong, the band's ending, so who cares? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll report back on that one. I can see. spread
1: misinformation. I'm you, totally,
0: you totally can. And look, to be, honest, to be honest, to you're going to be taking a photo from the back of the room anyway. So exactly. we'll, we'll find out for sure.
1: You'll all see what the stage looks like.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> And then, uh, last show on the list, uh, that I've got in front of me is in Warrnambool, yep. uh, at, is it Wannan, Wannan Rooms? W- Wannan Rooms. Wannan, Wannan Rooms. Wannan. 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 Wannan, Wannan Rooms. Uh, never know. been to Warrnambool before, but uh, you mentioned before you had a stellar show there in the past. Uh, so <laughs> any, any expectations coming into this one?
1: I, um, I'm actually really excited, uh, for Warrnambool because it's the last show of the tour. So technically it's the last desecrated show. Um, of this group and of this time. So we, that just happened by pure routing. It wasn't a choice, but it's a choice that we're embracing. You know, it's a Bayside city where, you know, Bay Area thrash, that makes sense. Um, (laughs) I think that it's going to be cool. We've got some, we've got some key friends who come out of Warrnambool, which I may try and influence to play a role in this Experience, and that's all I'll say on that. Um, I can leave people guessing at that one, but um, I think it's going to be cool. Um, The tour package that we're touring uh, with for these dates is, of course, Harlot, um, who who I feel like if you know Descretty, you know Harlot, Mm. uh, and The Ascended, who are uh, a band from Warnable originally. So it's their hometown show, too, which would be good for them. It's their album launch um they're kind of the the newer band on the package with everything to gain nothing to lose type of thing so i think they'll be keen to 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 put in a good run at Warnable. um and yeah i've i've got a again if it's it's the last night um we're definitely going to have a lot of desecrated crew coming from melbourne to Warnable that i already know about and i've got some some ideas up my sleeve that I really would say, if you're in driving distance from, from Warrnambool, we're booking hotel rooms. We may stay a few days. It's going to be large. <laughs> well,
0: I've I've already pulled up Google Google Maps, I'm having a look to see. Oh, it's three. It's about a three hour drive from Melbourne. Not too bad. Yep. I mean, if you go on the speed limit,
1: that's good. Then... Especially if you get you know if you get a couple of mates in the car so that you share the driving. Yep. Um, that's really only like. The first three metallica albums and you're there <laughs> which is a joy to listen to at any time well you that's
0: know? it absolutely yeah and look it's a saturday night as well so you can come down early saturday and enjoy the day get uh, you know get comfortable go early go
1: gorgeous beaches gorgeous yeah. beaches
0: yeah and then uh see a bit of thrash metal and uh and then slowly make your way back home um late hmm. sunday afternoon or evening whatever yeah. no rush no
1: rush exactly Okay. I think that that it's going to be for a for the last show. It's going to be a very eventful time. I'm sure it'll be a very emotional time. There'll be tears. Um, but yeah, it's very cool. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Love it, love it. I'm I'm almost. I might have to try and twist an arm again, see if I can go to Warrnambool for the first time ever in my life. <laughs>
1: I've got Great fu- town. You'll love it. You'll never leave.
0: I've got a, I've got a funny feeling that uh, I might end up being just a. Uh, an, an extra part of the desecrated tour in Gen- in january and february just looking at these dates, i'm like oh, i could probably go to that i could probably go to that man hop in hop man, in why not why not learn a song play oh jesus christ play, just, why j- I- just join the band <laughs> join the band so that you can oh, say man, i was in I- desecrated let's
1: say when were you in desecrated
0: I, c- I can't handle this commitment Jeez, <laughs> oh, this can be ah, for the rest of my life.
1: I'm <laughs> a musician, are you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, well, I can at least take I, a photo
0: of the back of the room while you guys are playing.
1: Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? Come along as our uh, tour diary and videographer. <laughs> we'll, do, uh, we'll do an anti-social live tour diary where we talk through daily the reality of being in an Australian band, the reality of touring Australia. The reality of australian venues we can really debunk a lot of stuff for younger dudes we can show them what it's actually like out on the road what it takes to get there and then we can hopefully inspire people to play the stop gaps between the main cities as well this is this is a thing lock it in all right well we need corporate sponsorship
0: well, I think, that, I think uh, that's a that's a perfect place to wrap up this conversation and leave everyone hanging. <laughs> is,
1: is you not committing to my idea that's going to take you heaps of effort? <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, just, just my wild idea that I've just uh, publicly hey, thrown out into the marketplace that um, involves me not doing heaps but you doing heaps. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know what? Like in typical fashion where a lot of these ideas usually uh, – stem from or, or eventuate into uh they they sound pretty damn good and you end up finding yourself in over investing into into a crazy idea that might not really bring a lot of a return but ends up yeah. being a lot of fun so who knows oh, the fine. cogs are the cogs are already turning mate so whether it's yeah, that well or heavy a heavy metal or a version of that who knows but um i've got a yeah. feeling i'm going to pop up at least a couple of times on this tour sounds good all right good stuff mate well uh desecrator.net desecrate on the socials. I'm going to have everything in the show notes and, uh, people can, uh, pick up the new album summoning. It's yeah. a, it's a hell of an album. I'm really, really impressed. I'm big, big fanboy of the album. And, uh, we'll continue to spread the good word of desecrator, uh, long after you guys stop playing shows and, um, and no doubt people will listen to this uh, this chat in the years to come as well. So uh, howdy for those people uh, listening in the future as well. But uh, any, any uh, parting words, Rolly, before we uh, just... Uh, look, I, just,
1: I think it's been really nice uh, to have this conversation and get it out in a format that was comfortable. So thank you for providing that for me and providing me with a platform to do that on. Um, I think that uh, it's a really nice thing Thought that people are going to pause their lives to l- listen to this. Um, and for that, I've, you know, I've always been mega grateful of anyone who invested any time or, you know, bent their ear to desecrator. So that's something that I will never forget or never stop to appreciate or never uh, not be humbled by. So, yeah, f- for anyone who's sat through the drivel to this point, um, well done. And, um, probably find
0: some better content for the rest of your life. Now go and grab the latest album summoning from desecrated.net. Go to the store, pick up a vinyl a CD, maybe a bit of merch, a t-shirt and the likes go, go to desecrated.net, go and support them. And of course, if you, uh, a streaming services person, like Spotify and Apple Music. I'm a Spotify guy. Uh, Go and find the album on there. Share it with your thrash metal mates. Uh, Find the tracks on YouTube as well. Share them around and uh, add the songs to your favorite playlist. Get the album out to as many people as you can, And uh, at least from my point of view, after listening to this chat, um, having this chat with Riley and listening back to it, I'm more passionate than ever to help them end this chapter on the biggest and highest note possible for them. And I think they've already uh, achieved a lot of that with the release of this album, which in my opinion, is one of the best Australian metal albums to come out in quite a long time. So get behind it, check it out, support it, give these guys a bit of love. And if you're in any of these places in Australia in January that we spoke about, Go to desecrated.net slash tour. There's tickets um, that you can buy. Get your tickets in advance. Support the guys. Give them the guarantees that they need uh, to tour with confidence and uh, get behind them. It's going to be January. It's going to be summer. Uh, We're all hopefully going to be completely out of the cage again. We're going to be able to enjoy hopeful normal life. And what better way to do it than in summer with a few drinkies watching a bit of heavy metal. And I'm going to try to go to at least two, maybe three shows. So if you see me out and about, let's have a beer and enjoy a bit of thrash. So desecrator.net slash tour and all the ticket links and everything will be in there. And of course, everything that uh, we've discussed will be in the show notes over at andysocial.net and andydaling.net And I'll have the video clips that have come out to date from Desecrator uh, for the new album Summoning in the show notes as well. So you can have a squeeze over there. A massive thank you to Riley and Jared and Andrew for being on the podcast over the years, multiple times. It's been awesome to, to document Desecrator, you know, uh, to the extent that I have and irrespective of what happens in the future, it's, it's cool to time capsule the band and the musicians and to do it, you know, as I mean, it wasn't meant to be this way, but we've spoken about this quite a bit in the past with different guests on the, on the podcast, but You know, just a little bit of documentation of Australian music, Australian musicians, Australian metal on the podcast. And while the podcast is not a music podcast as such, and I speak to lots of different uh, people from all walks of life and different backgrounds, um, it is part of this is, you know, documenting uh, a community that's really close to me, and that's Australian music and Australian metal. And we've had lots of amazing people on the podcast so far and many more to come. So stay tuned for that. Now, I have not recorded an outro for uh, whatever it is, three and a half, four months, whatever it's been since the last episode. So I'm a bit rusty and I should have written out some notes beforehand. So I don't really know what I'm going to waffle on about here, but I'll try and keep it short and sweet. I think the main thing that I just want to share with you guys is that I've revised Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. I have reduced the tiers down. So we've just got a $1 tier and a $5 tier. And that is fucking it. There's no $10 tiers, no $20 tier. And as much as I appreciate the support, and those additional dollary dues from these legends who've been supporting me. Um, I just want the numbers. I just want, I want to simplify this. I want to have as many people supporting me as possible. It's not so much about the dollars, um, which does help and does help sort of take the burden of your know, monthly expenses of running a podcast, website hosting, podcast hosting, uh, gear, editing, all sorts of stuff. There's a lot of, a lot of money that sort of goes into it. But that's kind of okay. I'm happy to do it because I've been doing it for so long. But what I want is that is that sort of ground support from, from you guys. And so if you can spare a buck a month, get behind it. Patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. It's a great way of supporting. And the $5 tier will just be a nice little warm and fuzzy additional amount. And uh, I haven't worked out whether the Crazy Talk episodes are going to be just for the $5 tier or for both. Don't know yet, but jump on over. If you can spare a buck a month, that'd be amazing. And let's get a few more of you guys jumping on and Increasing the the groundswell of support and hopefully anti social podcast continues to be a growing platform where I can help to showcase and share stories from not just Australian musicians, bands and Australian metal, but anybody anybody that I find interesting that's doing amazing stuff out there in the wider world. So lots of lots of fun stuff to come. I've got a bunch of episodes pre recorded, so I'm going to start dropping them out. And I don't know whether I'm going to do these weekly um, one, one a week or two a week, like I was doing previously, haven't quite worked that out at the time of recording this. So stay tuned at the very least, it's going to be one a week, at least until the end of the year, but, um, we'll see how we go. I think that's probably enough for now. So until next episode, folks, thank you so much for listening, tuning in. Welcome back and welcome back to me. And, uh, we'll speak soon. All right. Bye. (whistles) Larry. Larry, please.